Watson's got it. He'll shoot. Stop by Hart again. Monahan after the puck. Eight seconds to go. Monahan a Caulfield fires just wide. Suzuki, one more chance. Caulfield scores. And there we have it, the news we've all been waiting for. It's Absent Planet Extra, and it is with the Cold Caulfield contract. It's me, Patrick Bexel, and I'm joined on the fly with Matt Drake and Jared Book. Both of you, thank you guys for all, and I hope you're safe over there. Super safe. Super safe. It's one of the best Mondays I've ever had, man. Mondays, I think everybody can agree, objectively worst day of the week, and then there come the Montreal Canadiens from the top rope with a beautiful signing of Cole Caulfield. Love it. I like how they replied to the announcement treat with uh, happy money, um, by the way, uh, and just totally getting the, the, the vibe down for for what many Canadian fans were. There was a lot of panic. I guess we'll get into this a little bit, but we'll talk about the contract first. But uh, yeah, it's good Monday. It's a good Monday. Uh, well, it's a squeeze day here, as we say in Sweden. Uh, we're having the national holiday tomorrow. So everyone more or less gets a day off on Monday or takes a day off uh, because you get a long weekend. So here it's a perfect, perfect day. It's 28 degrees. And obviously I'm uh, celebrating with a cold cider. Uh, don't drink it drive, guys. But uh, cold Caulfield, literally eight years, 7.85. It is what everyone has said would be the perfect contract. And and really it is the perfect contract, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think... You couldn't get better from both a Cole Caulfield perspective and a, a Kent Hughes perspective, Montreal Canadiens perspective. I, I think it's it's perfectly fair. Uh, you may might even side on on value side of it if if you if you're a, if you believe that Cole Caulfield is you know going to be a, a forty goal scorer. It's obviously a very good value for the Canadians, uh, but it's. It's a perfect contract. You know, Caulfield is betting on himself to a certain extent. Uh, you know, a shorter-term deal would have been a lot less money. Uh, so he's he's betting on himself. And and also he's he's allowing the team to build around him, much like Nick Suzuki did with his contract. And, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the two contracts are literally $25,000 apart. I, I think that there was a benchmark set by the Suzuki contract, and Cole Caulfield and, and Suzuki, they, they they seem to get along, and, and I think that there's a lot of a, a lot of um, it, it's not a coincidence. Let, let's put it that way. I, I think that there's a lot of similarities between the two players, between the two contracts, and and I think yeah, it's 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 really the perfect contract. There's a lot of panicking uh, from the fan base. I, I'm not really sure why, but it, it's in the end, it, this was always what I expected. Um, I, I, you know, any contract without an eight in the front of it, in terms of the uh, annual cap hit, was a win for the Canadians, in my opinion, and and I and I think that that's that's exactly what happened. So it's a it's a win from from my perspective. Matt, twenty five k, or being the captain, right? Well, yeah, it's it's, it's a twenty five k captain's premium for Suzuki, I guess. And Jared, you, you touched on two pretty important things. There. Number one, panic, right? I think it was because a lot of people had no idea what was that dollar amount going to be on a long term deal. Because of the goal scoring, right? We know he was on pace for what? 46 goals before he got hurt. So 
I, I do wonder if he finished that season and he did hit that 46 mark, would we have seen a bit of a different number there? I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards no, because I think the other thing that you touched on the super important is that internal cap, that internal benchmark with the Suzuki deal. It's kind of like you got to outproduce this guy if you want to have a bigger number on that contract. My biggest concern, and I think this is where a lot of the panic came in, was was he going to go down more for like a five-year deal, try to get to UFA a little bit faster? And my concern there was I thought if it was going to be under eight, I thought it was going to have to be that five-year deal. I figured they were going to really argue from the standpoint of look at how many goals this guy can produce. Already this young in his career, the rate at which he's producing – you extrapolate that out to when he's fully developed, when he gets a little bit older, when he's really in the, in the, you know, the thick of his prime, what's he get, what's it going to look like? Right. And I, I think for sure we've got potential 50 goal scorer there. And I thought that that was going to play into the negotiations more and they might get inching closer towards that 10 million mark. The fact that Kent Hughes managed to get it in under the Suzuki deal is massive. Now they've got their two biggest stars locked up under 8 million uh, Suzuki's got what seven more years left now. Caulfield's got eight more years left. They don't have to worry about those two for a very long time, which gives them, as you said, the flexibility to build around those two and to really put together a team that can actually go far in the playoffs and they can go far in the playoffs, not on a Cinderella run like they did last time, but as, as a team that enters the playoffs, like, you know, as an expected contender. So, um, I'm excited, man. I, I can't wait to see what they can do with the flexibility that they just generated for themselves. Benchmark is set, and it's most probably set for other players as well when you take a look at it. If the two stars, the two young budding stars coming up are having similar contracts, you can't really be a young after the the, the rebuild or retool uh, coming in and, and asking for more than that. And, and uh, it sets that kind of benchmark that probably makes you a little bit better prepared for the playoffs. We have seen a, a top team with four, four or five players that has half the cap more or less in, the, in, in, in those five players, and it hasn't turned out very well in the playoffs. And, and I think this sets it up a little bit for a playoff run a couple of years from now, because let's be honest, it's not going to happen next year and probably not the year after. Probably not. Yeah, no, probably not. But the, 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 I think that one of the things here is it sets the benchmark for internal post-entry-level contracts. Like If there's uh, an unrestricted free agent out there, and let's say he's a center, uh, and let's say he's played for Columbus and Winnipeg in the past, uh, I, I think I, th- I think that you know the obviously the the calculation changes a bit. Patrick Laine isn't a center, is he? Yeah, exactly. Patrick Laine. Um, it it depends. You know, the, the the calculations are different, right? When you're talking to an unrestricted free agent who's a little bit older, who can obviously negotiate. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if contracts for external players comes in a little bit higher. But the good news for the Canadians is that most of their core are these internal free agents, right? Like, I mean, you're going to have, you know, Kirby Doc in, in three years is going to have to get a new contract. You know, Caulfield and Suzuki will still be under their contracts currently. You have a better idea of where the cap's going. Uri Slavkovsky uh, is going to, you know, be up for, for renewal in, in a couple of years as well. And, you know, obviously we'll have to see how he produces. But And Matvey Mitchkov is going to come in as a as a entry-level contract as well. You know, there's no negotiation there, right? I mean, I mean, technically he'll be up for a renegotiation. If he signs his ELC in three years, 
um he'll be up and renegotiate for four and five years around so um but yeah no i, I think that it sets the bar and, and really you know like matt said if you're a, a uri slavkovsky for an example and your contract's up in two years and you're not producing um you know as well as suzuki and caulfield you, you're kind of locked into to a certain contract and i think that that's you know, there was a joke, you know, in the pre-cap era, you know, the the rule in what the, the Boston Bruins was that they had the Ray Bork cap, where nobody was able to, no one was allowed to make more money than Ray Bork. Uh, I don't think it's quite as strict in this case of Montreal, but it, it sets a benchmark for a lot of these contracts that are going to be have to be rene- renegotiated. You know, Caden Gooley and Arbor Jack guy and, and all these guys, and obviously not all of them are going to be making, you know, over 5 million, 6 million, 7 million. But but it it lowers it it sets everyone's expectations, and, and I think that you know Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki both of them could have asked for more money, and I don't think anybody would have batted an eye if they asked for more money. The fact that they didn't shows that they want to build this thing together, and and they they you know they 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 want to build this team the way that it's being built currently, and I think that it's it goes a long way. And and even you could put in Kirby Doc in that as well, right? He he signed a contract that is, you know, really good value for a player who's older than than Caulfield is. And so I, I think that there's a lot of things here that is is just yes, it's not all about the money. Right? It's not all about the money for some of these players, especially when you're talking about the difference between like seven and eight million. Like in, in the grand scheme of things, who cares? Right. And I think that in this case, they, they aired for um, more security in terms of the eight-year contract. And, you know, they're still getting a lot of money and it allows for a lot of flexibility. And, and I think that there's a lot of room for in, you know, two years, in, you know, three years, they can go out and get those contracts to put them over the top, right? They won't have necessarily the the Hoffmans and the Savars and the Edmondsons signed to those deals. They'll have some cap space to play with and you can go out and get some players, whether it's in free agency, whether it's in a trade. And I think that it's, it's a really good um, opportunity and, and it's nice to, it's nice to have it over with and, and locked in and not have to worry about a bridge or anything or, or worry about the negotiations or an offer sheet. It, it's just nice to have it done. I'd love to see him come out and acknowledge that and be like, look, I could have asked for a shorter term to get the UFA quicker. I could have asked for more money, but we're trying to build something here. We want to get back to that Stanley Cup final and we want to win it this time. So, you know, I did what I did. I took what I took specifically because I wanted to put this team in a position where we're going to be able to compete for a long time. Uh, I'd love to I'd love to hear him come out and hype the fan base up by saying something like that. I don't know. But look, it's. That internal cap factor is going to be huge, right? Like you said, if if they get anybody else coming up, like how are you going to waltz into Kent Hughes's office and ask for anything north of what Caulfield and Suzuki are making if three years from now you're up for a deal and Caulfield's scoring 40 goals? Down goes Brown had a tweet out about it where he said, you know, three years from now they could have a 40-goal scorer making borderline third-liner money because the cap's going to go up and you're going to see deals coming out yeah, other teams are going to be handing out deals like that for guys that are nowhere near their top line. And Cole Caulfield is going to be out there, at, we hope and we believe, scoring 40-plus goals every season. It's going to be really hard for anybody to negotiate more money with Ken Hughes. So I think he's going to get more value. And I think this is also going to attract some of those free agents, right? You, you look at the money, like the, the money is not always 
that important in Montreal because the reality is you can go out and get other deals. You can get sponsorship deals that don't exist for anybody else. If Cole Caulfield learns how to say five words in French, he's going to be on a McDonald's commercial that's broadcasted across Quebec you know, at, during every game, during every during on probably every single French channel constantly. He can make a bunch of money based on those brand deals that he's going to be able to do that you don't get elsewhere. So, I mean, like Jared said, he's going to make plenty of money with the contract itself. There's other opportunities to make money. And just as a bonus for us as fans and for the team as a whole, they're going to have more flexibility. This is just brilliant business from Ken Hughes. I have to ask though, and and first and foremost, I think Cole Caffold can speak five words of French. He didn't he take French in school. He probably could. He probably could. Yeah. Looking at the, the Toronto debacle in a way with the cap because the cap hasn't gone up as projected and and due to COVID and everything, but also with with four or five players, and and probably the best contract is the lowest ranked contract of those four players. So if if we take Nylander, uh, Tavares, Matthews, and Marners, Nylander has the best contract. And and that's where, where where this has ended up, sort of a little bit higher. But but all of them are coming to out of their contracts together, and there isn't much room to play with. And also, if you look at how their playoff performances has been the last what four or five years, uh, you you realize that you need to be able to pay others if you want that coupling. And I think both Suzuki and Carfield are are looking towards that cup. They're not maybe looking to to earn as much money as fast as possible. We mentioned the, the sponsorship deals that I'm sure that Montreal has mentioned as well. But I think somewhere around, they're looking at each other and going like, okay, let's win a cup. And how do we win a cup? A little bit like Tampa did. They know the difference between making the cup final, winning the cup final, and being a last place team and getting the first overall pick. It ain't that big. They had a lot of the same players around I mean, obviously they lost some pretty big names. Carey Price being gone was a big part of that. But I think they know that the difference between making it that far and not making it into the playoffs at all, it's 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 closer than you think. And they know that by taking these deals, by by giving the team enough flexibility to go out and add other players, it can get them over that last hump. We're going to take a quick break and and listen to some of our sponsors. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. And we're back, Jared. The no trade clause going in from fifteen to ten to five in the last three years. What do you make of that? I, I just think it's protection uh, for for Cole Caulfield in a way, uh, where the team, you know, th- there's no guarantee that in six years Kent Hughes is going to be the general manager. Uh, a lot of things can change, uh, and I think it, it's you know if the Canadians are, let's say, if everything goes horribly wrong, and in six years they're back to being in the rebuilding stage, it allows Caulfield to kind of control where he goes. And then as you get to the seventh and eighth years of the contract, you know, he becomes a a, a, a potential unrestricted free agent. So if the team is in a place where they want to trade him, uh, they get more, uh, you know, Caulfield gets a little bit of protection, but they get to more openness. You know, they can trade him in the last year at that deadline if they want to, uh, to 27 teams. 
or 26 teams, I guess, because you can't trade them to themselves. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, minimal protection, and it doesn't really hurt the Canadians too much because I don't think they'll trade him in year six anyway. Um, you know, year seven, year eight, it's possible. And, and at that point, it goes down a little bit. But I, I do want to point out, um, I, I want to defend quickly uh, Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Four a little bit because those contracts were signed in those contracts were signed in a really bad time and the cap was going up every year and 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 now we're in a spot where the cap has been the same for 3 years so Kent Hughes knows okay the cap might not be going up <laughs> right as quickly as they thought so um and and I want to point out another thing is that you know if you talk about team friendly deals for a really good player captain Kent Hughes was uh, Patrice Bergeron's agent, <laughs> right? And he had a lot of those team-friendly deals that that weren't really as high as maybe what he could have asked for, and, and I think that that's the kind of um, that's the kind of framework that they're they're building in Montreal. It, it's kind of that group, you know, because you know, look at Pasternak and Marchand; they didn't ask for you know um, crazy deals either. Chara as well. Right, so so there's a a kind of mindset, and they have a couple of cups to to show for it as well. They they do, yeah, exactly, and and I think that yeah, I mean, the timing is everything, right? If these contracts were signed, you know, if they were if both players were three years older and the cap was going up every three years, uh, or every year, uh, these contracts easily could have been in the nine ten range uh, as well. So I think it's kind of a a good timing where, you know, in the case of the agents um, and, and Cole Caulfield's agents, Nick Suzuki's agent, they're like, maybe the cap doesn't go up for a couple of years. And then we sign a bridge deal and we're in the same spot that we are in. Um, and you might as well lock in the contract now. So yeah, it's, it's a different world than when those Toronto contracts are signed, but it definitely doesn't hurt Montreal at all. It, it helps them a, a whole lot. I, I won't defend Dubas because, you know, I think, I think you're right. Like he signed them under uh, under a certain assumption. I think where they run into problems is the fact that he refused to make any changes once that assumption turned out to not be reality, right? But at the end of the day, you know, if we're evaluating the the Habs contracts w- within that context, within knowing what happened to them, um, I, I think you're right. I think Kent Hughes probably looked at it uh, and he probably had that discussion with the agents as well to say, look, you know, if we hand you out X amount of dollars, um, if we, we hand you both out 10 million plus and the cap doesn't go up, we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. You guys are going to be making money, but you're not going to be competing. How would you feel about that? Right. And then I think, and you know, I'm not in that negotiating room, so I don't know, but I, I have a strong feeling that in Montreal, it's, it's one of those cities where you're, you're going to sit in that negotiating room and you're going to mention those other outside opportunities that you're going to have. Right. In, in, in what other city do you get uh, a McDonald's trio named after you? that gets served at McDonald's over the course of three years. Brennan Gallagher had it. Who else had it? Uh, Jonathan Dewey had it, I believe. Patretti. Patretti had one, didn't he? Patretti had it too, didn't he? Right? If you're a big name player in Montreal, you get brand deal opportunities that do not exist anywhere else. Even if you're not a big name player, you're going to get those brand deals. You're going to get more money out of that stuff than most people across the league. And if you go into the negotiations saying things like that and talking about the fact that, you know, having that AAV a little bit more down helps the team, but you're still not hurting financially. Right. I, I think that has to, that has to make a difference for the players and hopefully they can continue to play on that. And hopefully they can continue to get good deals because that's how they're going to build 
you know, a winner in this city. There is one thing that you say in that negotiating room as well, if I was Kane Huge. And I'm not going to be there because I'm that old, so I'm not going to get that chance. But you got to look them in the eye and say, you're not getting up in the rafters unless you have a Stanley Cup ring. That's a pretty damn good point. How many people get up in the rafters? I think Price might be the first guy to get up in the rafters without a cup. Yeah, that, that's about it, really. Like, th- there is no one near Price. And and I mean, we said it about Koivu, but, but there's no one near Price. Price can go up because of what he achieved and what he meant for the city and 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 everything and and winning all the. I mean, he won as a goalie. He won the Ted Lindsay, right? Uh, so, so you know, you you, you got like you, you got some special circumstance there. Otherwise, you're not getting out. And you got to look those two kids in the eyes because for me they're kids anyway. And you got to say you want the rafters. You got to take a lower deal. Maybe because of what you see from... Yeah, you want to be immortalized, you need that ring. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we talk a lot about players not wanting to be in Montreal. Uh, there's a lot of fear uh, and loathing uh, from from the media and the fan base and and a lot of people who just say, like, but but look at the players who have signed long-term here, right? It's, it's not all about attracting free agents. Those who play, who've been drafted here or traded here and have come here, they... they there, there's an appreciation for being here. And I think that, you know, everything that we've seen from Suzuki and Caulfield since they've really been Montreal Canadiens has been how happy they are and, you know, how much they like Montreal. And Suzuki, you know, lives here year-round and uh, is spending the summers here and is really embracing the the community. And, and Caulfield, Caulfield is, has, you know, since he's been drafted to Montreal has said how much he wants to be a Montreal Canadian. You know, there was no concern that he would sign his contract, uh, you know, and then they hire his childhood hero as, as head coach, which doesn't hurt um, I suppose. But I mean, it's just one of those things where it's building a culture and even, even in the the later years of, uh, of Mark Bergevin's tenure, um, because remember, Suzuki signed the contract, you know, with Mark Bergevin. It, it wasn't Kent Hughes, right? So, you know, even though they're very similar, they were signed under very different circumstances. Um, but but what happens is that in in, in this kind of world that, that you're in, is that you're building this culture with these young players. And that's a rebuild is, is shot if you don't have the buy-in of the players. And you're seeing it, you know, Ottawa is doing the same thing, right? They have buy-in from all their players. They all sign long-term deals. And, and I think that there's something to be said about that as well. And then when you are... And we saw it during the cup run as well. You know, Chafoli said it. I want to go back to play with 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 Cowfield and Suzuki. Slavkovsky said it in the draft last year. You know, there is a team with two really good players. I want to go play with them. You know, they're... Players are already saying it. We we heard it, and and you've been pointing it out after the Laval Rocket to, had the uh, had the All Star game. the The crowd was immense. People are recognizing that. And and when the cap doesn't go up, maybe you start to looking at those other things that are surrounding the hockey team in general. There are others that want to go to. I it just brings it up in my head, and and uh, I, I remember Jacob Delarose giving this interview where they asked him. Are you strong enough mentally to play in Montreal? And maybe not. Someone else will say, "No, I'll play in Rangers because I can be. High, I, I can go out in New York and be by myself, and no one will care because there are other teams there." 
in Montreal, there's only hockey and, and some weird way of football. Uh, but otherwise, it's, it's, it's just hockey, hockey, hockey. And if you don't do it, I mean, if you can't handle being in the center of attention, you go somewhere else. But these kids have embraced it, embraced in Montreal, they've embraced, embraced the, the, the language uh, to a certain degree. I, we, we know that Suzuki is working on it. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's, it's all that. Players are already saying they want to come to Montreal. Use that leverage. And, and I think that with these two contracts, they say, we want to win a cup. Do you, do you want to come here and win a cup? Because we want you then. Yeah, come join us. Right. And and you mentioned Toffoli. That's a really good example, right? Because he saw he saw the starts of of, of things that were going, you know, and it, you know, he it's, it's ironic because he was kind of uh traded to spark this rebuild that's kind of starting over again with, with Suzuki and Caulfield as the veterans now, or or somewhat veterans, I guess. But yeah, I mean that that's the whole thing is that you have guys that are are gonna wanna play in Montreal and and you know they're Pierre-Luc Dubois is is a guy that's already rumored to say he wanted to play in Montreal. Um, and, you know, that it's not always going to be as obvious as that one, uh, if it's true, if those rumors are true. But, um, yeah, I, I think that it's it's a great uh, it's a great opportunity to, to kind of grow this team. And, yeah, when they're ready to contend, uh, they're going to be a place that play, people want to go to. Like, even guys like Joel Edmondson, who, who know uh, Jake Allen – they know they're not going to be here when this team is contending again, but they still are embracing playing for this team, playing with these players. And, and I think that that's, you know, it, it, it's worth more than anything else. Right. And, and I think that it's, it's a, uh, it's a really good sign for, for the Canadians that, you know, there's, I feel like the end of the Bergevin era really, got people scared, right? Because, you know, you had, even not, even not the end, but you had the Markov and the Radulov situations. You had the Pacioretty situation. You had the, the, the Kotkaniemi, the, the, the Kotkaniemi situation, the Subban situation, right? Uh, all those situations ended badly, right? And I don't think, you, you know, especially in the case of Subban, you can't fault anybody for saying that he didn't want to be in Montreal. He obviously did. Um, but, but at the same time, that it, it there was this this whole sequence of just ending badly, and and when you have you know the Kakini everything was you know the, he was penciled in for for the next ten years in Montreal, and it just didn't work out that way. Uh, and so I think that you know the offer sheet looming was, was a big concern for a lot of people. Um, it wasn't much for me because I think that the situations are completely different. I, you know, Caulfield, you know, the player has to accept the offer sheet. Um, it's not just a player, you know, team can offer it and that's it that's done. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it, there's no, there's no bad news today in Montreal. Matt, I'm going to leave you with the closing argument for the news for this day, because you are the, uh, the ones that are used to using the big words. I think, you know, this is a huge win for the Habs. I think we got to take it as a huge win. Uh, we can go into the draft and go into the free agency, knowing that they're going to have some cap space once they LTIR, uh, carry price. And uh, you could take a look at the, the current free agent crop. I don't think there's anybody on there that they should go out and try to spend money on. I think they should really focus on the draft, focus on developing some young players. We might have one more tough season ahead of us here. But look, uh, we, we're, we're going to get to see what Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki can do on these new deals that are going to be both in effect for this season. 
Um, I, I think we should all be very excited about this. I think this is one of the best Mondays you could ever ask for. And uh, look, let's just try to sit back and enjoy this one. Enjoy the rest of the off season. And uh, what do we got? A couple of weeks until the draft. So 